Welcome to the Lift Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Neff. And I'm your co-host, Kyle Cortez. Welcome to the first installment of the Lift Lounge Podcast. We really wanted to start this podcast out with a brief introduction episode of who we are, how we got started in the fitness space, and just give the listeners some insight as to our experiences. In future episodes, we plan on breaking down specific topics, answering your questions, and much, much more. I'm going to start this off by handing this to my co-host, Kyle Cortez. Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? My name's Kyle. Like Adam said, we do want to um, introduce ourselves as the host using uh, with this first episode. But before we go into uh, introductions about ourselves, a little bit of our background, we wanted to sorry, we wanted to share um, our intentions behind the Lift Launch podcast. So with this podcast, we aim to bridge the gap between evidence-based research and anecdotal evidence. And you know, while there are other podcasts that are very informational and very formal. We wanted to be very casual in our approach to delivering information so that no matter where your level of knowledge is in the realm of fitness, you'll be able to understand the information that we're sharing and be able to apply it to yourselves. So with that being said, um, I can go into a little background about myself now. So my name is Kyle Cortez, um, 27 years old, currently a clients under the man himself, Mr. Adam Neff. Uh, we've been working together for about 10 months now. Um, I came to Adam because I needed some change in my life. I was very tired of looking the same year after year, not really making any progress. So I feel like I needed some guidance. I needed someone to hold me accountable towards my goals. So we went through a fat loss phase, which lasted about five months. And then now we're in an extended massing phase. With the goal of adding on more tissue and eventually stepping on stage for a bodybuilding show. But that's going to be a lot later down the road. We're talking years here. So in the meantime, I'm also trying to further my education in the um, fitness field. Establishing a baseline level of knowledge uh, before doing continued education and focusing on more nuanced topics. So the guys like N1, for example, and Prescript so that I may be able to help others um, on their fitness and their, their life journeys. So going back a little bit further into my journey into weightlifting, it's not that exciting. <laughs> uh, I didn't play sports, so I really had no reason to be in the weight room to be training for any specific sports. I didn't desire to, have, uh, to be a bodybuilder uh, right off the bat. You know, I didn't see like a flex magazine and see Jay Cutler on the, on the cover thinking to myself, wow, like I want to be that big. I want to be that shredded. All right. So my first exposure was really um, through my dad. So he was, he's very much into weightlifting. Uh, this is in my junior year of high school. And every now and then he'd take me to the gym with him after work. So it was kind of like a, a weightlifting one-on-one class. He'd, he'd show me the ropes you know, I'd follow him through his workouts. It was it wasn't really a bro split per se, but I think it was a little bit more thought out than that. I think it was like a chest and triceps and back and biceps. I think it was maybe like a four day split. But yeah, I'd, I'd follow him through his workouts. He'd show me um, how to execute some of these um, exercises. 
And then like on chest day, we he'd show me like his programming pretty much. Okay, we're doing flat, we're doing incline, we're doing flies, you know, we're doing some tricep pushdowns. And then after that, like um, when we go home, he'd make a protein shake for me. And really that was like the extent of my um, knowledge in nutrition. So like he would tell me, okay, you got to eat a lot and you got to drink your protein. And that was, that was it. Right. So my exposure really to like training and nutrition was very inconsistent at that time in my life. So we go for like a week and then depending on his schedule, depending on my schedule with like extracurricular activities during high school, I wouldn't train again for like another few weeks. So that lasted all through junior year. And then going into senior year, um, I did take a weightlifting like class. So that was three times a week. But that type of training was more focused on strength and power. So we did um, three main lifts on those days. We'll do, so one day was focused on squats. Another day was focused on bench. And then another day was focused on cleans. So we'd, we'd only have about an hour in these classes. So doing like warm-ups and then getting through that first exercise would take us about 30 to uh, 40 minutes or so. And then whatever time we had left over, we would just go off and do um, exercises on our own. So um, that's where I was in high school. And then it wasn't really until after high school where I got my own gym membership and I was able to train consistently where I saw most of my, my new gains. And this is where I think I've really fell in love with the process and like seeing those gains. So I was really addicted at that time. Um, I was very much into like YouTube fitness, watching the likes of like Matt Ogis, Chris Jones, uh, like Christian Guzman. So I think I was very exposed to the world of natural bodybuilding through uh, Matt Ogis, because at the time he was prepping with uh, 3DMJ. And uh, I think um, Chris Jones was also in prep and they're, they're going head to head, you know, they're at it. They wanted to compete against each other. And I thought that was very entertaining. Yeah. So that was, I think. Was that back in like yeah, go ahead, 2013 go ahead. or something along those lines? Yeah. It was yeah. around 2013. So I think at that time, because I was so young, I was just very impressionable. You know, I wanted to, um, to be like Matt Ogis, you know, I wanted to learn as much as I could. I, I was very much interested in bodybuilding at that time. And I think we, we never talked about this, but I think it was around 2014 where I actually started following you, Adam, on Instagram. So I think you were doing your bodybuilding prep at that time. Was it 2014, 2015? Yep. Yep. I was a sophomore in college and same thing. Like, watching uh Chris Lovato or Yucky Lovato, Matt yeah. Ogus, the 3DMJ guys, Lane Norton, uh yeah, the the YouTube fitness around that time was very much focused on natural bodybuilding. So, yeah, that's that's when I competed back in 2014. Yeah, I re I remember because I was I, I didn't really know too many natural bodybuilders at the time, you know, I know of Alberto Nuñez, and you know eric helms and stuff like that 
but I, I didn't know about like some of these other big names. And then I saw you on Instagram. I vividly remember like you showing me like your prep photos. I think it was like you on like your, your backyard porch or something like that. And I was yeah. like, whoa, this guy is shredded. I was like, I was very inspired at that time. Yeah, that was back so, in yeah, the day where everybody was just chasing shredded glutes. It was not about yeah. maintaining muscle mass. It was just about the striated glutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was like a very like prime time for like bodybuilding. Right. And yeah, me being so young and very impressionable, I learned a lot of um, my programming and whatnot, nutrition through Matt Ogis. So he was doing like a lot of push pull legs. So I was doing that uh, for a couple of years. And then I got into strength and powerlifting, I want to say in about 2015 as well. So I was running um, a few different programs after that. So programs from like Johnny Candido. Um, I was doing conjugate after watching like Masthetics. And then I was doing some programs from the strength athlete, TSA. I did some stuff from Juggernaut training systems and then for a little while I was having um one of my friends who was actually a power lifter he was writing programs so I was doing some programming with him and I was doing power lifting style training all the way up until I want to say the better half of 2020 2021 and then I started getting into a little bit more hypertrophy training so I was doing some training templates from renaissance periodization I was doing the hypertrophy programs and then switching from that into their strength programs and those training templates i think were 16 weeks or something like that so that took me all the way up until 2021 in um december when i started when i first contacted you adam and then i think at that point that's where i kind of turned away from powerlifting and then set my eyes back again on um bodybuilding but one thing that i really took away from all of these years of training was I always needed some sort of structure in my training. So I never went into workouts completely winging it. Like, okay, today's chest day. Uh, what do I feel like doing today? Okay. That machine's open. I'll do that. So I, yeah, I always needed some sort of plan going to these training sessions. Yeah, What's you brought on? up uh, masthetics, and I have not heard that term in years. Oh my gosh, that has been a while. <laughs> yeah, my yeah, goodness. Gary and Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have quite so, a bit uh, of yeah. parallels with you as well. Um, my father actually got me into to weight training as well. Uh, he was doing, and this is might ring a bell for some people out there, but uh, body for life. Uh, I think it was like late nineties, early two thousands. So I got to see my dad go through a fat loss phase and, you know, take pictures of him doing some bodybuilding poses on our back porch. Um, and he was the one that had, had showed me, you know, how to bench press and, um, really told me, Hey, you know, don't work out down in the basement when you're alone, make sure that people are around you if you're going to work out. But of course I did not listen so when he was not home, I'd go downstairs and I'd just get in some sets of bench press. Um, and he actually ended up writing me some, some high volume programs that were like 
pyramid programs. So you do like a set of 12, a set of 10, a set of eight, a set of six, a set of five, a set of three, a set of two. Um, so I was doing some crazy high volumes when I first got into training and, uh, I was doing, I mean, I was benching like three times a week at that time. And, uh, I ended up gaining like 40 pounds in just a couple of months. Uh, so I responded very, very quickly to it. Um, but yeah, I would have to say then after, you know, having my father, uh, show me the ropes, essentially, that's when I got into, uh, training for sports performance. Uh, so I was really training just to, uh, be faster for football, uh, be faster and stronger for, uh, track and field. Um, and then that's when I, uh, was able to get coached by some of these coaches at the, uh, the strength conditioning facility at my high school. Um, so a huge shout out to Jason McGarren. Um, he was a coach back in, uh, what was that? 2009 to 2012, uh, that had a ton of impact on me. Um, and I had trained, uh, with just tons of different styles. Um, I was doing like hang cleans, more explosive work, uh, to be faster. Um, you know, I got into actually powerlifting. I did a powerlifting meet in 2007 when I was in uh, eighth grade, um, and I can remember like hardly being able to bench 135 at that time. Uh, so that's pretty crazy. Um, and then we also did quite a bit of CrossFit. Um, so, you know, we go out to the track, you know, run 100s and 200s. I was a sprinter. Uh, we'd come back in, we do maybe like a, a five by five or something like that. And then we'd finish our workouts actually with some sort of wad or workout of the day. Um, with, with CrossFit. And this was back when, uh, CrossFit actually had a mascot named Pukey. Um, I'm not sure if many people know about this, but, uh, they actually had, you know, kind of encouraged people like, Hey, you know, you're going to be puking when you work out, um, and then enter rhabdomyolysis. And then that kind of got pushed away. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, uh, after that was, really the the YouTube community of Lane Norton, Matt Ogus, 3DMJ, Alberto Nunez. Um, I can even remember going through Lane Norton's Twitter feed and looking at his pictures that he was posting and like clicking through them on my computer, um, probably in like 2009. And this was before like Instagram was, was like actually a thing. Um, and that's how, how old I am, but now, but, um, yeah, we'll, uh, We'll throw it back to you, but I uh, just wanted to go through some of those parallels. Right, right. Yeah, that's very interesting. So what was it about the the training, really? The, the fact that you were seeing these performance increases, or was it the fact that you were, you know, seeing these changes in your body that made you um, like lifting? You know, I I would probably have to say that in my younger years, it was an outlet. Um, I was able to just go in and just absolutely crush myself. Um, it was just a way for me to emotionally get things out. And then I started to see the results rather quickly. And uh, that was more motivating and more exciting than the actual competition that I was preparing for. You know, I, I'd rather lift five days a week than, um, you know, have a a Friday night lights on a, on a Friday uh, for football, you know? Um, so I really think it was a combination of 
being able to utilize this as an outlet, but also coupling that with uh, seeing my progress pretty quickly. Okay. Did you do sports through college as well? Uh, I did not do any sports through college. Um, when I got into college, I actually went to um, two different universities. The first university I went to was Capital University. And I was really lucky because I came across two great friends I made. Um, shout out to Jordan and David. Uh, but those two guys were into natural bodybuilding as well. And um, we really just like lived in the weight room. I mean, we were doing uh, the push pull legs and we had some, some fat splits um, popularized by Lane Norton, the uh, power hypertrophy adaptive training. And I really did those splits or varieties of those splits for like six to eight years um, and really just took more of like a power building approach. Um, so if I did do push pull legs, I'd have like two sequences uh, the first half of the week would be my, you know, heavier movements with uh, lower reps. And then the back half would be more of the traditional bodybuilding work. Um, but then once I uh, essentially went to Capital for one year, I transferred over to Wright State, which is very, very close to where I am now. And that's where I um, actually had some other friends that were doing natural bodybuilding um, and decided to compete the first year there. Um, ended up just graduating with my bachelor's in sports science and actually had trained there as a personal trainer for about three years prior to that. Um, so really like my whole, my whole life has been kind of consumed by, by the bodybuilding thing. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the fact that you were able to immerse yourself in the community and you had people alongside with you, you know, for most of my years, I never really had a training, a consistent training partner, you know, to, um, to do these workouts with and, you know, to share this community with. So I think bouncing into nutrition now, I think the, the thing that really held me back in my journey and really making a lot of progress was, um, my lack of knowledge in nutrition. I was very inconsistent, um, with, you know, with my nutrition, I've spent, you know, close to 10 years training, spinning my wheels and like not looking like I lift, <laughs> you know, not eating enough to facilitate the type of training that I was doing. And because I was watching a lot of YouTube fitness at the time, I wasn't a stranger to macros, right? You know, in the in 20, 2013, um, with the rise of IIFYM and, you know, and some of the extremists in IIFYM. I kind of used, I kind of used it as an excuse to to eat like crap, right? And um, it had little to no effect. Or thinking to myself, you know, it had little to no effect on my bodybuilding or on my body composition, right? So I was seeing like Matt Ogus do contest prep, eating Chipotle every day, yeah, right, and yeah, and like that, uh... eating ice cream at night. Yeah, he had that video. Uh... From from bogus to ogus, I believe is what it's called on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I was eating some like really ridiculous um meals. So I was um making these really macro friendly, highly palatable meals. And um when I went through my first cutting phase, 
where I lost a pretty good amount of weight, about 35 pounds, um, using flexible dieting. Um, really the real base of my nutrition wasn't there. I barely ate fruits. I barely ate vegetables at the time. Um, and I was able to get to a relatively lean physique, but was it a, a healthy body? I, I don't believe it was. And when I got relatively lean, I think that was when my body started to, to push back and my body was fighting for homeostasis. Right. So my cravings got worse which led me to um, binge eating on the weekends and making even like crazier, trying to uh, make these macro-friendly meals, very highly palatable meals, which led me to developing an eating disorder and very severe like body dysmorphia. So I think that is what really held me back. I was trying to... Um, you know, use IIFYM as a means to, um, yeah, just eat any way that I wanted to, thinking that I could uh, get a lean physique, you know, without having um, a really healthy baseline to work from. So I gave up on cutting. I spent the subsequent years hanging around the same body weights, around 155, 160, kind of spinning my wheels, not making progress. You know, I was scared to make another big push up in body weight because of my body dysmorphia. And I was scared to cut down because I didn't want my eating disorder to resurface. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like fast forwarding to now working with you, I have a much better relationship with food. Uh, you know, I'm learning more about proper nutrition training and I'm making the most gains now than I ever have in the past nine years. And I think the moral of the story is um, hire a coach. <laughs> I mean, if you have the funds to do so, because yeah. they're there to help you, you know, they're, they're there to guide you and to teach you. But, you know, if you, if you don't have the funds to facilitate that, then have a well thought out plan, execute it and stick to it. Because consistency and adherence to a plan is what's going to take you far. And no matter what kind of plan you do, what if you're doing keto, you know, you're doing um, some type of fad diet, even if you stick to it, you know, you, you will make progress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a, a shameless plug right there. So thank you so much for saying that, Kyle. Appreciate <laughs> it. Um, but I'm going to revert back a little bit to you were talking about how uh, you never really had anybody to train with consistently, especially with this with this bodybuilding style of training. And uh, for myself, it kind of backs up to you know, seventh grade. I mean, I I had training partners from seventh grade all the way till I was 22, 23 years old. And once I started to get into the training industry, your schedule is just kind of opposite of most people. Like you'll train in the morning, you'll train your clients in the morning, you'll train your clients in the evening, and then the middle of your day is like freed up. And so typically I just train alone. I have for probably the last five, six years now. Um, but that's where I think social media and I'm sure in future podcasts, we'll talk about the detriment of social media. Um, but the positive thing about social media is like us connecting and being able to talk about these nuanced, uh, super specific goals together, you know, 
Um, so even though we can't train together, at least right now, um, we can at least, you know, hash some of this stuff out um, online. So that's the cool thing about social media. Um, again, we'll, we'll kind of dive into some of the detriments of it. But um, I also want to talk to the if it fits your macros. So if it fits your macros was kind of like a double edged sword for me uh, because it gave me the confidence and the ability to manipulate my body composition and the understanding, the basic understanding of the energy balance equation, you know? Uh, so I think the, if it fits your macro crowd, uh, taught me a lot, but like you said, you know, it's almost like playing Tetris with your, with your macros, you know, what can I fit in? That's going to be so good because I can, I can fit in these things. Right. Um, and when, uh, my understanding when I was younger was if I can fit these foods in, I must fit these foods in. Um, and then, like you said, you know, having all of this hyper palatable food makes you have more cravings, especially when your body is fighting against how lean you are getting. Um, so I do just want to share one of my uh, horrible concoctions I made when I was deep into my prep in 2014. Um, but I had made this. I thought this was delicious at the time, but it was egg whites topped with strawberry yogurt pineapple chunks and Parmesan cheese. Um, so I will say, you know, sticking to your macros does not have to be boring, but you definitely don't have to eat weird foods like that. Now I've actually made my cravings worse. Um, but again, the hyper palatability of foods, we'll, we'll dive into some of that more, um, in future episodes. Um, but as far as the nutrition side of things, I think that, you know, just under having the basic understanding of calories in versus calories out, um, while also keeping a really broad focus on of implementing a variety of nutrients at the same time, making sure you're hitting the basics like your water, your uh, fiber, your fruits, your vegetables, spacing your meals out, digestion. And this is just kind of a precursor uh, to our next podcast episode, which we'll be diving much further into that. Um, so as far as some of the other things in my past, um, you know, I did graduate from Wright State with a bachelor's in sports science. Um, you know, I've probably gained much more uh, knowledge through just experience of training clients. Um, but then after I graduated from uh, from Wright State, I moved down to Cincinnati, where I lived for about five years. I had two different jobs when I was down there. Um, I worked at a Jewish community center um, that had a fantastic fitness center, and then also a, a small studio space called uh, Sensi 360 Fitness. Shout out to Sensi 360. Um, and when I was down in Cincinnati, this is where I essentially just opened my eyes to, oh my gosh, like, you know, this isn't just about bodybuilding. It's not just about gaining muscle mass. It's about genuinely helping people wherever they are in their journey. Um, and, you know, moving away from more of the bodybuilding style stuff and pushing that onto my clients and realizing that, you know, my clients are the end of one. Everybody has their own program. Everybody has their own journey. There's a context to implement certain things at certain times. Um, and then 
personally speaking for my own programming and periodization, I was using RP for, for quite a while. Um, when I was down there, I was using a lot of the higher volume approach. You know, I was doing crazy amounts of sets. I mean, I was, I was doing probably like 25 to 30 sets on my medial delts and, and one, uh, week. I mean, it was, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, but then I kind of got away from some of the higher volume training, um, and moved into, um, in one education. Um, so in one education taught me a ton in terms of biomechanics, execution, setup. Um, and after the pandemic hit in 2020, um, it gave me 10 weeks off and had a lot of time to think about my goals and what I wanted to accomplish. Um, so really after five years of working for somebody else, I decided it's time for me to open up my own space. So that's when I moved up north. I'm still relatively close to Cincinnati, uh, but I moved up into the Tip City area where I built my garage into a studio space. Um, if you guys follow me on Instagram, it is uh, the Lift Lab, and that's L-I-F-T-E. Um, we'll get into what that means in a future episode, but uh, really wanted to cut back the amount of like in-person training that I was doing um, because it's such a difficult career to sustain having this split shift, having uh, your schedule be at the mercy of everybody else's schedule. So I've been able to maintain some of my in-person clients um, and have actually really enjoyed uh, still working with in-person clients. Uh, that being said, I'm about 75% online now, um, so I can get my fix on both. Um, and again, like I, I really enjoy working with people who are focused on uh, natural hypertrophy or muscle building. Uh, but genuinely, my passion is just to help people achieve their goals while also just enjoying their life to the fullest. Um, so, yeah, I think that pretty much sums everything up about myself. Kyle, did you have anything that you wanted to add? No, um, no, not really. I don't. But um, bouncing back to the RP stuff, yeah, I, I remember I was um running the rp templates as well and my volume was getting so high yeah. like i remember because um their algorithm in their templates depending on what rating that you gave it it would automatically adjust sets for you in the following week so i remember doing sets of like uh seven sets of conventional deadlifts <laughs> yeah you know yeah. at an rpe2 and i was like well, I am dying right now. <laughs> and so comparing think, that to like now, do you feel a big difference in terms of like your systemic fatigue? Oh, definitely. You know, at the time when I was running those those programs, I would go into work at like 4.30 in the morning, just absolutely destroyed, tired. We'd be briefing at like five o'clock in the morning and I'd be struggling to stay up. Like my eyes were just like so heavy. I couldn't focus at all. <clears throat> so I think fatigue at that time was probably at its highest. And even before that, when I was running my um, powerlifting programs and whatnot, I didn't really take deloads that often. Like I, I wasn't a believer in de uh, in deloads. I thought it was just like a waste of time. Like, oh, if I'm going light, if I'm not going heavy, you know, I'm not making any progress, but 
since then I I've now learned the importance of deloads and fatigue management. And I feel like fatigue management is so much more um important to me now in terms of making the most progress that you need to. Yeah, I had found it kind of difficult to manage all of the sets and the variables that are changing on a weekly basis. So it's like if you started, let's say, doing 10 sets of hamstrings on week one and you're at 20 sets of hamstrings by week five, it's like there's so many different variables changing. You're not even quite sure like what it is that's creating that change. Um, yeah, yeah, it it was one of those things that took me a while to uh, kind of backtrack and realize, hey, I think I'm I'm digging a hole for myself of fatigue. And I had told you, you know, I ran like push pull legs and fat for like six to eight years. And I was the same way. Like I did not know what a deload was. Uh, I did not take, you know, reductions in training volume or intensity. Um, my deloads were typically just built in due to injury. Um, so fatigue management is definitely one of those things that, you know, when we first started training was not a discussion at all, right? It was like you either lift heavy or what are you doing here? Um, so I think that, you know, the fact that that fitness has become so popular has really helped a lot of people not make the same mistakes that we made. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. So yeah, we talked about a lot of great topics today. We talked about nutrition, we talked about programming, and you guys really got to um, get a better understanding of who we are. So as these podcasts go on, uh, we will dive into more nuanced topics, but I think that is a great um, end of the very first episode of the Lift Launch Podcast. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll definitely be going into depth with you know different training protocols, uh, high volume, low volume, high intensity, low intensity, what all that means, sets per week recommendations. Uh, we're definitely going to nerd out with a lot of this nuanced topic and nuanced discussion here. Um, so we'll go ahead and close it out there. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening and stay tuned for our next episode in which we will be discussing the foundations for improving your health and fitness. And you guys can find us on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Adam Neff and our podcast is going to be at Lift Lounge Podcast. And again, that is L-I-F-T-E. If you guys want to follow me, that'll be at Kylo, uh, Kylo.Cortez. So that's K-Y-L-O dot C-O-R-T-E-Z. And we will also link this in the podcast notes. So thank you guys so much for listening. And we look forward to hopping back on next week.